Welcome to Test and Code. On Test and Code today, I am thrilled to have Johanna Rothman. She is a fellow author from the wonderful Pragmatic Bookshelf Company. And um, and we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including uh, writing books. So um, welcome, Johanna. Thank you, Brian. I'm very happy to be here. Um, now, I, I, I don't think that you're at least... If you know Python, you're, I don't think you're very active in the Python community. So... <laughs> No, my my <laughs> my people might not know who you are. I'm mostly Python people, so uh, can you introduce yourself other than an author? Sure, um, I'm I'm a management consultant and have been that have been a consultant for almost thirty years. Back in the seventies is when I started to write code, and no, Python did not exist. So. Um, so yeah, I my code experience is very old, and I am very glad that there are many many new ways and new um, new ideas in the programming community because we don't know we don't need to go back to the old bad stuff. We just don't. <laughs> well, we keep reinventing the same errors in different languages. I think so. Uh, everything old yeah i mean assembly language um things i was i excelled at writing infinite loops um (laughs) and so but that was back in the day when you could see the lights on the front of the computer so if they repeated the same pattern debugging was actually not so difficult but i will say that in my first object-oriented language which was lisp um, I found that more difficult to to do correct garbage collection than I I had not needed to before. Right. So all these advanced programming languages bring all this new the the new needs to the program. Yeah. Yeah, and wow, debugging Lisp, I never tried to do that too much. My my experience with Lisp was Scheme, which is the offshoot of Lisp, and that was taught uh, as part of one of the CS classes back in university. Um, and then also, I tried to try to extend Emacs using Emacs because Emacs is written in Lisp also. And yeah. uh, I uh, I I do appreciate Lisp and Emacs for the reason that that pushed me over to learn Vim. So I'm grateful for the kick in the pants to go learn Vim. Um, I never look back. Um, although I, there's a lot of people that use uh, what? Uh, there's like a Elvis or there's like a, there's NeoVim. That's it. There's a, there's like a Vim that's like a, a Emacs Vim hybrid thing that uh, anyway, that's way off track. Um, you've written a ton for Pragmatic. You have like what? Uh, 97 book? No, I didn't count. A lot of books with Pragmatic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, I, uh, the Prags are very nice to me. They also distributed, they, they distribute my self-published books. So I oh, wrote okay. uh, four, four or five, I don't, I guess I should figure out which, which ones, um, with the Prags. And then I've been writing ever since. 
Um, okay. And in between, um, self-publishing. So it's, yeah. But we're well, so your most, well. your most recent is, is this your most recent free your inner nonfiction writer? Well, actually, uh, successful independent consulting is now my most recent, oh, but okay. free your inner nonfiction writer was before that. So, um, okay. the only good thing about being home a lot in the pandemic was I got a whole lot more writing time in. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you just say without the commute, you got an extra hour or two, depending on your commute. Right. So nice. Right. Um, so you, you say you're a management consultant. So do you, do you do uh, all of that remotely now or do you go out to companies? Or? So I actually discovered during the pandemic that all of my workshops were more effective, especially the more senior leaderish I work. Um, if I was remote and we only got together for an hour or two every day, maybe four or five or 10 days in a row. Um, but that way people could actually integrate what I, what I was teaching and I could change how I taught. So I could say, read the stuff, try this thing. We'll debrief it in our um, real time meeting as a cohort. And that was so much more effective. Um, I'm not teaching programming, right? So I think that with programming, if we want to do that, um, I'm not sure that doing any independent work is always the good first step because that that's where you might want to see somebody do something on on a on a screen or you know yeah. on a whiteboard or something, and then try it yourself. But that try it yourself part, oh, that's so so valuable. Yeah, so that um, I, I'm going to poke at this a little bit because I, I I've done um, some training, and the the fun the fun way to do it uh, that I've thought is is like in person. You got everybody together. It's for for programming training, and to um, uh, it, to try to do like a little bit of presentation, like teach something and then have people play with it and then, and then maybe do a challenge or something and then hop back into talking about the solution and then do some more training and sort of cycle through that. And it's a hands-on sort of thing, but I'm still trying to, I'm still struggling with how to incorporate that into how to do that as a remote thing and have it make sense. So uh, uh, that's an interesting feedback of, um, I, I still think that maybe it's doable. Like maybe, uh, uh, maybe a quick presentation and, and try to do like three or four days in a row instead of trying to do a full day. Um, uh, I think it's still doable, but programmers are bad. I don't know about management, um, but programmers are bad about like actually doing the homework, um, like between sessions. Um, so uh, I don't know. That's a completely different topic. What I'd like to ask you about is, how do you get people that are basically, you know, a lot of our, uh, there's a lot of people that I think have books in them that we'd like to get mm -hmm. them to get out and write those books. Um, so is that part of what your book was about? The for your non inner nonfiction writer? Well, part of it is just getting, getting anything out. When I, when I've, I've been running cohorts of this writing workshop that goes along with this book for um, 
I think since 2016. I ran the cohorts before I wrote the book. I uh, oh, really? I often find I often find that when I run a workshop and I I learn from the participants in the workshop. So and that's why I really like to run the workshop before I write the book. And I find that when I when I propose writing something down to anybody in my circle, they all get that look like, oh, please, God, tell me now. And, and the, re the reason they get that look is because they think they have to start with an outline. They think they have to edit everything. They think they have to write slowly. They think they have to use passive voice, which they might want to use, but probably not. Yeah. So they have all these rules that their English teachers gave them back when they were, you know, eight or nine or 10 and writing their first essays about somebody else's book. That's not what they're doing now. I, I just, I blame school. Yes. Um, for teaching me bad writing habits and for be and for teaching that like books have to, I mean, the, the only time we, thought of a book as good or entertaining that was that's not good writing good writing is like this weird difficult literature and uh yeah i mean like can we stop trying to get people to recreate scarlet letter and stuff like that that's that's bad um i well and, and if you wanted to do a remake of scarlet letter i also have been writing fiction then then send it on a planet yeah right yeah have have some very cool um, night sky and, and morning sky. Make, make it interesting to the reader. That's, that's how I try and write my nonfiction. I don't always set them on planets, but, <laughs> but I, I want, I want people, I want to invite people into my nonfiction. I want them to stay with me until they've finished, excuse me, the damn book. Because, <laughs> Because I want them to get all the value that they can wring out of it. Now, I mean, how many good ideas will people find in a book or a blog post? I don't know. At least one. Hopefully one. That, well, you brought up blog posts, and I think that's a important. Do you think it's? I think it's important to have people just start writing a blog. If they're thinking about writing a book, just start writing a blog. Um, um, what are your thoughts on that matter? And that's actually what for your inner nonfiction writer is really about short oh, okay. pieces and articles. Because yeah. if you think you want to write a book, maybe you only need to write 20 blog posts. Probably not. Um, but if you, if you actually do write a book, now you have to write blog posts to support the marketing of the book. So why not learn how to write? Why not practice writing in your blog? in articles and then write your book and then market it with, excuse me, with your blog and your articles. Yeah. And blogging is big. I think it's easier now than it's ever been before. Um, oh. There's, I mean, there's so many platforms you can pick up like wordpress.com or, uh, or, or some of these like hosted things that work, do it for you. And it's free. I switched to Hugo. So the, the great thing about this is I can just write in Markdown and and commit and push and it's published that's it that's that's what i do and if there's a what i really love is because i'm writing technical content 
when I, um, if somebody tells me that there's something wrong or I notice something's wrong, I can just, it's in GitHub. I can just edit it and push it again. Um, that was the, that's the main thing that, uh, that pushed me away from WordPress. I was in WordPress before, but editing things was difficult. Uh, cause I had to go, I mean, you had to go in and, you know, copy the code from one place to another and all that stuff. So oh, anyway, yeah. um, it was gross. And, and the formatting was weird anyway, but I mean, WordPress, I, I'm grateful because it did get me started blogging. Uh, it was a great way to, to not have to care about the back end so much and just start. Um, so that's good. Uh, I th- really, anybody could start. It's just so easy now. You just, you don't even need, oh. need your own domain name. So, but no, you don't need any of that. Uh, just get, get a blog somewhere for free and then start publishing, write and publish, write and publish. That's actually um, all about chapter seven. Write something, <laughs> ship it. Write it, ship it. Write it, ship it. Well, now I'm gonna I'm gonna like uh, see how bad I am about this because I told myself that the reason why I wasn't blogging so much anymore uh, was because I was tired of WordPress, so I switched to Hugo, and so now I'm on Hugo, and oh, there's not a lot there. Uh, so. Let's get back to it. Yeah. Anyway, um, how often yeah. do you keep a log? Uh, do I keep a blog? Yes. Yeah. I've had my my managing product development blog since. Well, I had it on Blogger first, and I believe I moved to WordPress in two thousand five or six or seven. So I started blogging in 2003. I'd had a website since I think 96 or 97. I I I started in um oh Dreamweaver back when or maybe the thing before Dreamweaver uh, PageMill. Oh god. Um yeah, my site has undergone many many transformations, but I moved all into WordPress I think in 2000 five or six or seven. And that has allowed me to have all that old content because some of it's actually really interesting, especially if I go back and look at it and see how my writing has evolved. Because my my ideas have morphed a little bit as I have learned more about Agile and Lean, Lean especially. But my, my writing style has gotten much, much better, which is good. Uh, <laughs> I was. I'll have to get you on again sometime, and we can talk about agile and lean because uh, I've got a lot of questions around that. But yeah. the um, uh, one one of the things you did point out is that so you switched from something else to uh, to WordPress. Did you have jrothman.com before, and and did you just keep that, or was jrothman.com when you started so, WordPress? Yeah. So jrothman.com was my website, and I got that domain name, oh, as soon as we could get domain names. I mean, I started my business in 94. I must have gotten the domain name in 95 or 96, because it was fine back then to have your first initial and your last name as your domain name. There were not that many domains. So, yeah. and of course, I did not foresee the explosion of the internet. 
how could I have done that? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, th- I bring it up because I think that uh, even though I've switched domain names a couple of times, I, I personally think it's important, even though it, oh, there's a lot of free tools out there, the little bit of an expense of like, you know, 15 bucks a, month, a year or something like that to have your own domain name, yeah. I think is important because then the back end, you can change, you can fiddle with it. You can go from WordPress to Hugo to, or whatever. And your readers don't, notice i mean they might your all your links might break or whatever but at least they can find your website still um and then they can find it again so i i think uh think i think people should start writing blogs and they should get their own domain name and everything else is noise um except for the habit the habit of writing is good so but right one of my writing secrets is always publish on your site first because that way all of all of the search, the SEO goes back to you. Yeah, you might want to promote it or market it on Twitter and Mastodon and LinkedIn and Facebook and wherever else you want to be. Um, I'm sure that you folks in the Python community have Python blogs and right. So you wouldn't, you might want to have another place to republish the work. But as long as all of your work starts in one place people are much more likely to find you okay so let's say let's say i'm uh i've I've started blogging and i'm thinking about writing a book is that even is that even a smart thing to do anymore in 2023 does anybody read books oh yeah (laughs) people (laughs) read a lot of books well let me rephrase this People buy a lot of books. I'm not sure when they read them. Okay. So there are, um, uh, as a, let me poke a little bit of fun in the, uh, about the Agile community. Um, Don Reinerson wrote a very dense book uh, called Principles of Product Development Book. <laughs> Even the name is dense, right? It doesn't say, here's everything you need to know about how to really um, produce a product in, in as speedy a manner as possible. Right. And that, that was off the top of my head. Um, if he had, if he had changed the title, he would have made the book more accessible. I have studied that book and I have struggled and I, I have tremendous respect for Don and all of the work that he's done, but it's not written in an accessible way. And I'm not sure if he blogged or wrote articles before he actually wrote the book. And if he had, maybe people like me would have asked him questions. Can you please clarify this one thing? So a lot of people have bought that book. I'm not sure how many people have read it. <laughs> okay. So let's say I want to, let's say I want to write a book that and I, I it was a kind of a facetious question facetious question coming from me because I have, I want to write several more books even. And I don't know how many, I, as far as like the economics of it, I don't know if it makes sense, but I like writing books and I like reading books. And the thing that I really like about reading books over blog posts or other things is, is especially now after going, going through the writing process, I, it, it is a long form writing is different. Um, 
it is uh, thoughtful and it it is a uh, you know a journey from i think that you need to know this stuff it isn't everything that's one of the things that pragmatic really taught me is you're not teaching 100 percent of su- of subject what you want is the the x percent maybe 80 percent or something that everybody needs to know maybe it's 20 percent, maybe whatever you're the the things that everybody needs to know and some extra stuff teach that um and the stuff that also that isn't going to change that much it's like maybe a maybe it's a new a technology but it's you don't want to teach the stuff that's going to go out of out of fad next year or something but um or maybe you do i don't know but the the uh it takes a while to write so you have to you have to go through that um and then you have to um and then working with an editor and working with technical reviewers and stuff like that blog posts don't have that i mean maybe some do but mine doesn't of having a technical reviewer make sure that it's correct and making sure the code works and making sure that the the story is tight um and you don't get that from blog posts but you do get it from books so hopefully so what you're you're talking about several different things here first is the ideal reader right so each of us has one ideal reader for our blog posts or our books but in a blog post um i might not have to um, be as careful about my ideal reader i might i might talk to a couple of ideal readers and that's okay um yeah but in a book we need one ideal reader and a user journey for that reader through the book. Now, in a blog post, we do need to make sure it's logical. I excel at putting the first sentence at the end and my last sentence at the beginning. So when I re- when I reread my blog post after I'm done writing, I say, "Hmm, is is this in the right order?" And I have now fix that because of the way I tend to write my blog posts. I tend to use either one startling sentence that Kent Beck um, introduced from his experiences with UFA back in 94 or something, where he states the problem and why the problem is a problem. Um, or I do, hey, you see so, or I use a little anecdote. Uh, hmm. all, always one paragraph, because a blog post also needs the context setting. And then I either have three ideas or maybe one idea expanded enough and then a wrap up that uh, summary that wraps back to the way I started. That's a very satisfying read. And even if I go too long with my, I don't know what too long is, but I've been trying to make my blog post shorter because I was at the point where I was writing full articles several times a week, and I wanted to finish a book instead of writing several articles on my blog. Yeah. So I've been, I've been working on shorter posts, and that's that's a very satisfying read. So some people really like long blog posts that are more like articles. Some people really like short, punchy. Give me the, give me the deets. Get out of here. Right. And that's fine. Well, I, can I, can we like review that again? So, um, sure. I, so I look, this seems like an interesting format. So you've got kind of a three phase thing, your opening paragraph, you said you, 
you have a couple options for the opening paragraph. What are those again? Right. So the first is one. Well, there's actually three options. I use the rule of three all over this book. So the first option is one startling sentence, which is um, which all three of these options set the context. Okay. But one startling sentence talks about the problem, why that thing is a problem. Right. So one of my bugaboos is multitasking. So if I say multitasking is a problem, I wouldn't say it like that, but that's the problem. And then why is it a problem? Because I don't make progress on anything else. I have so much work in progress. I, um, I get frustrated. Um, I'm ready to kill my manager. I mean, there are any number of reasons yeah. why this is a problem. Now I have the one startling sentence that sets me up for the rest of, of the piece. And that might be, instead of killing my manager, I'm going to show him or her a Kanban board of all of my work in progress and how old everything is. That's huh. the startling sentence. And that kicks me off. And then I have um, uh, the fourth sentence um, that is the effects of the startling sentence. Look at one startling sentence. Just search on it and, and you'll get okay. all four sentences. But the startling sentence is the, is the, is the tip into what the body of, of this piece is. Okay. Now, you can use one startling sentence as the, as the description for a book, which tips you into the journey for a book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kent is okay. a very, very smart guy. I don't think he knows who I am, but I I have learned from lots of his stuff. And I'm sure all your all your normal listeners have also learned from him. Yeah. Bad habits on TDD from Kent Beck. No, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. um so okay, so that the one startling sentence is one of your options, and then there are two other right. options. And then there's hey you see so. Hey grabs the reader. C is um, what this person can take a look at and say, this is why you, my ideal reader, needs to see this thing. So is the one or two interesting facts or unique ideas that you have. And then so is this is why it matters to you. Now let's read the rest of the piece. Wow. Okay. Okay. So that's uh, say you see so one startling sentence, and then the third is a story. A little, right? a little uh, one paragraph story. Um, okay. Bob, an agile project manager. <laughs> blah blah blah. Right. And I, I when I do that, I often say, "Here's the problem. Um, I'm I'm having trouble starting one of my columns." for projectmanagement.com. And I think I finally started it this morning. Bob, an agile project manager, is being promoted to a senior scrum master. What the heck is that? Now, right, and when I ask that question, right, what is the question in Bob's mind? My ideal reader can identify with that question. Yeah. And that that way I can, I can write the I, I kind of love this idea. And 
I'm a, if people that haven't started blogging, you're like, you might be thinking like, what, 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 what's the big deal? And the big deal is the blank paper syndrome. Um, or the, you, you just, you're looking at a blank editor screen and you don't know what to do. But if you have this, you don't even have to write, you could write these, these things as like comment outlines or something. But you, if you have this, this format in mind, you could be thinking, okay, I'm going to cheat and just use like some, and it's not really cheating, but it, you could do, like pick a format and go, okay, I think this might be uh, a Hey You thing. Can I fit it into there? It doesn't quite fit. Maybe I'll do the startling sentence. Uh, it doesn't quite fit. Pick one of these um, and then uh, try it and then write the rest of it and then come back to the beginning. And if you maybe, maybe rewrite the, the opening paragraph, but then you've kind of gotten all the junk out of your brain and you're not trying to, because one of the problems is I'm starting writing and I've got things I want to, I want, want to make sure I say, and I don't want to forget them. So I'm thinking about them, but once you've written it down, you don't have to think about them anymore. They're there um, on the page. And, and so then you can look at the entire piece and then just like sit on it. I, I think more bloggers would be good if they wrote and then published the next day. Um, at the very least, uh, to sleep on it, read it again to make sure that uh, it's okay. I don't do this. I don't uh, actually do that. I, <laughs> I actually advocate write while you're hot, publish while you're hot. Yeah, check <laughs> for spelling and grammar, right? But just publish it and get it out. I, oh, yeah. I have many. So let me talk about the blank page problem for a second. I have uh, uh, this notion of an idea bank that I built on Jerry Weinberg's Fieldstone idea, right? Fieldstones are one word, a phrase, a sentence, paragraph of something you don't want to forget to write about. But me, <laughs> I needed something different because I had Fieldstones all over the place. So I had this notion of an idea bank. Everything in the idea bank is at least one, one word long. And maybe it says about this thing, right? And then it's not really a field zone, it's an about. That's totally okay. fine. So that that gets me away from the blank page. And because I always have some idea that I want to write about. But um, having drafts of half-finished things that you have not yet published that are much, much larger than a field stone that says to me a lot of width, maybe, or oh, you right. don't know how to finish it, right? You don't know how to finish. Oh, width means work in progress. Um, and it's not bad to have a lot of drafts as long as you finish them at some point and publish, which is why I really, we are the worst judges of our own work. So yeah. write it hot, edit hot, publish while you're hot. Not I I do not see the value of waiting to publish. Okay, yeah, um, because you can always edit, right? If you if, if yeah, if you if you get feedback or you just look at it later and go, "Wow, I don't agree with that anymore," you can change it or delete it or whatever. Yeah, so. yeah. Hmm. Okay. I, I have several um, blog posts where I tried to do arithmetic in public. I even tried to check it with my calculator and I was wrong. And so I said, fine, I'm wrong. And I thanked the people who told me 
and I did a PS, updated this thing, and you know, I'm still here. I'm still alive and kicking. No one has killed me because I made a mistake on my blog. Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, speaking of feedback, what are your thoughts on uh, comments then? I really love comments on unpublished work. I love it when people engage with me on my site. Um, okay. That's happened a lot less these days, at least for me, because people comment on Twitter or Mastodon or wherever it is I've published the thing. So okay. I, I find that a little frustrating because I, I would much rather be able to respond to people and say, thank you. Right. I mean, I, I respond, but I lose all that on my blog. So that's fine. It's, it's what it is, but I really, and if people tell me I'm wrong, that's fine. Do, do you delete any comments? Like if people are mean? Oh, if people, um, if people swear in comments at me, if they call me names, yeah. But I'm, I'm a female. People don't tend to do that to me. Okay. Right. Oh, I mean, or I, I, or I'm old or, you know, something. <laughs> well, so, um, when I had a WordPress blog, I did have comments on for a while and then, uh, and when I, so I started, wait, when did I start really writing Python blogs, uh, way back in, it's probably 2010 ish, 2010, 2011, maybe that time frame. Um, and I got some great feedback, um, and then, and it helped. And then, uh, um, and actually people were writing on the blog, like writing comments there. And then it had a filter system, which is good because there was there's a lot of junk comments that come through. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and then it sort of dried up. And then I was, I started just mostly getting weird link back comment, like people linking to oh, junk, yeah. uh, and yeah. or just like comment, like asking a question of like, oh, uh, something about something that that I wrote like years ago. And I, and I thought I could, I could respond or maybe I'll just take off comments. Um, and so <laughs> I've, I took them I like turned them off on the WordPress blog. And then now when I switched to Hugo, apparently there's a way to do comments with Hugo, but I don't know how, and I don't really care. So I figure if you want, I figure people, if you don't agree with me, yeah, I'm not hard to get a hold of. You can let me know. Um, that's fine. Um, but the the I did see occasionally people grandstanding and trying to like show up that like they're the expert, which is fine. They might be an expert, but it's not your blog. Just get your own blog. Um, so, <laughs> well, I actually I had to trash several people's comments just last week where they were trying to promote their books on my 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 blog posts, and I I emailed one of them back because. This person is a colleague, and I said, um, "That's that's very cool, man." <laughs> no, yeah, no. I'm yeah. not promoting your book. If you even if you give me a copy of it to read, and you want me to review it, I might do that. But don't promote your book on my content. Well, so I am. I haven't read your book, but I'm now. I'm really excited about it. So, um, 
it looks like I'm gonna just gonna go through some of the titles. You know, it's not that that many chapters. Uh, nope. It's nope. so first off, uh, right to right to think and learn, and that's excellent. I I I was not an expert on PyTest until I wrote a book on it. Um, so uh, you can become an expert by doing a book to to act like you're an expert, and by the time you're done with the book, you will be an expert. Um, uh, yep. Write fast to write well. Uh, write for your ideal reader, edit just enough, uh, choose your feedback you want, choose the feedback you want and publish your work and help yourself succeed. That's your seven chapters. This is sounds great. Yeah. Um, awesome. So we'll link to it in the show notes and, uh, and then from the pragmatic website, you can find, you can find all of your other books and everything. And then we'll definitely have to have you on again. Cause I'd like to talk about agile and lean one of one of my book ideas is a lean idea so i'll probably maybe be cool to get your your thoughts on it as well so well thanks johanna johanna for uh coming on the show this has been really fun thank you for having me i really enjoyed it <laughs>